Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode 22, part two. On Monday's episode, we engaged Montreal-based VFX associate producer Raphael Weiss in our 13-question grilling, otherwise known as the Framestore podcast dailies. On today's episode, we pass the mic to this week's guest co-host, Chris Mylordos, London-based production assistant in Episodic. So without further delay, we hope you enjoy episode 22, part two of the Framestore podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, the second installment of our conversation with VFX associate producer, Rafa Weiss. This is where we hand over to this week's guest co-host, Chris Mylordos, production assistant based in London, who will continue the interview where we left off. So Chris, it's over to you. Hello. Hello. Welcome back, Rafa. Thank you, Simon. Thank you. Um, I'm going to start off our part two with quite of an interesting question so that we can set off the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to ask you, Rafa, how are you feeling about the post-pandemic ent- entertainment world that we're living in? And more specifically, how do you feel about the major entertainment distributors often choosing a streaming release alongside a theatrical release or in a more extreme scenario that they usually do? Um, no theatrical release at all. Ooh, that's a very good question. So, um I think we have job security for a while, so I'm pretty happy about that. I think it's been very interesting to see the amount of work that just came in after the pandemic, especially after with everything that kind of froze for a little while and then everything wanting everything now, you know, so Netflix was very much a big client of ours, still is, and I think will be for a while. And I think a lot of their projects had the same production schedule, right, where we would get the plates around the same time. And that was a bit tricky, I remember, because tracking was very heavy, and then layout would get really busy. And then Anim, and there wasn't a, a lot of breathing room between departments and having a healthy flow. I think that's been rectified since 2021 uh, at least at Framestore so it's been good to see but I remember feeling a little bit worried because fighting for resources and having the crew when we needed them was very tricky and upper management had to make really hard decisions on okay we're gonna have to pull half the comp team over there to go and help on that show over there and it must have been really tricky for artists to be able to keep up with that Um, but I think now that we are a bit more used to that flow and I'm it's been feeling like upper management has been able to set boundaries as well to really tell Netflix like hey if you want us to do the amazing quality of work that you're expecting us to do it's gonna have to be in that time frame so I think I've been seeing that trickle down into the the schedules of the projects I think it's really interesting to see movies come out in theaters first I always prefer that because I mean we work on those pixels so closely that we really do want to see them on the big screen and it's there's nothing like experiencing that with your loved ones and being able to see like you said Simon being able to on the part part one being able to look at the credits and really celebrate the work that we've all done together and also I find that streaming when I watch something on my couch I don't really remember the storyline the next day that much like it's really I'm a bit more passive whereas where when I'm in a theater I really feel more engaged the sound is 
usually way better. The image is way better, but there's also something about, okay, I'm going with my family or my friends or my loved one or loved ones, um, no judgment here. And then you just buy the tickets together. You have, enjoy the movie. Maybe you have a drink or a meal afterwards and you talk about it. Like there's something so special about being able to go to the movies. So sometimes when I see direct streaming, it's a little bit, I'm a bit bummed out just because I wish I would have been able to to do that with with everyone um, in a theater, which was what we were a lot more used to before. But, you know, we adapt. I think it's really interesting to see the amount of work and the quality of work that we get to see in TV and like episodic rather uh, at this point. So, yeah, I think it's it's an interesting shift. I, I Did yeah. I answer out the whole question? Yep. Yeah, you did. You did perfectly. (laughs) Um, And I think I agree with you that, you know, when you watch something in theaters, it's just, it's more of an event. Whereas if you watch something, you know, at your house, at the comfort of your couch, it's still great. Like you can still do your popcorn in your microwave or wherever you do them and then, you know, chill on your couch and then watch something. But it's not as impactful and it's not as eventful as going to the cinema and watching it with like loads of people Mm -hmm. all together. Um, So... I do think, though, that, you know, we both agree that wherever we watch it, you know, on our iPhones, which is not very recommended, but whether we watch it on an iPhone, whether we watch it in a theater or on a laptop, um, we're still, you know, looking at what the director wanted us to look at. We're still looking at the story that we've all all worked on. Mm-hmm. Um, now, my next question is throughout your career, what was the most challenging task that you and your team had to do and how did you go about it like throughout all of those projects that you've worked on? I'm wondering if there is a story somewhere where we can get some insights as to how these blockbuster films you worked on actually come to life throughout a lot of problem solving. Ooh, um, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know that I can say exactly what project. I I don't even want to put anyone on the spot on that one, but I think there's been a few shows where there's a lot of hats making decisions. You know, the director might have a say, but the studio has a very, very loud voice as well. So being like having to readjust and then take on more work, shift work when the director, the studio will say, hmm, actually that doesn't work. We're going to do a huge reshoot. And then, okay, reshoot schedule comes in. It's really tough to squeeze that in. We don't really want to give that work anywhere else because we have the assets, we have the environments, we have to figure out how to make it work and putting everyone in a room to be like, okay, how do we break this down so we can actually understand it? So it's happened a few times um, on some projects where you just get even like full new sequence with maybe a creature or an effects that you never really thought that you had to develop and but the deadline doesn't change you still have to deliver the show on time so that i think again it's teamwork and we have to get the supervisor and producer to agree on something to be able to bid the work in a certain way and have the discussions with the clients where the supervisor kind of has to say this is the approach and not give that much well there's always creative freedom on the director and studio side but just letting them know there are some constraints and we can't really go outside of those boundaries so having vfx soups and producers who are really good at setting those boundaries early on on the show so when those situations happen they can actually manage the client expectations and figure out a way to make it work but it's happened a few times especially with directors or studios who might not have as much experience as the big big ones like disney or or those big old clients where 
they might be a little bit more surprised to hear no. <laughs> but no is still valid, you know, like in anywhere else. So, but it's been challenging, you know, to navigate that and still feel like we've done everything that we could. But at the end of the day, what we were able to produce in like six weeks or like sometimes even less, depending on when the reshoots happened, it's still amazing. Like it's hard to tell yeah. what from Frank Store what we do. Record timings. Yeah. Um, do you think that, you know, throughout this uh, creative problem solving and challenge that you've been through, have you ever been in a limbo um, through your career that you've you've said to yourself that, you know, I cannot figure out what I'm going to do next or <laughs> yes. I don't know what's next for me? And, you know, how did you overcome that so that you can be here where you are now? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there was a specific project I think I wanted to hide under my desk, but it's a... Uh... I, I reached out for help and I think that's why I'm um, doing part one I was like asking for help is so wonderful because I, I really thought I was in a limbo and I was questioning my whole career right I was like am I, am I set am I, am I okay am I fit for this job how am I not seeing the end of the tunnel because I was starting to get stuck in details because there was so much data and variables that I I really needed a fresh pair of eyes to pull me out of the hole and say see we just need to make sure that we do this first and then this. And after that, it was easier to get back into the detail because there was a master plan. So I'm really grateful for, for the producer, Wasilla, who really got us out of a big hole um, and came in and helped on the project at that point. Because, yeah, it's, you need other people to give you a new perspective on it. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to stay in that limbo and really reconsider your whole freaking life at that point. So getting out of a limbo is about teamwork once again. <laughs> once <laughs> again. <laughs> once again. Part one was about teamwork. Part two is about teamwork uh, as well. <laughs> the work that you do as a team. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, so I just want to ask a very silly question as well so that we can break the ice a little bit before <laughs> I go back into deep into some more serious questions. But if you could have a coffee with anyone, dead or alive in the world, who would that be and what would you talk about? Oh my god. <laughs> Lady Gaga, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Yeah, fair answer. Um, and talk about mental health. <laughs> it's a yep. yep, 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 yep. So I think that that would be she seems to be such a kind person, even though she's a ma master megastar. So I think, or you know what? Beyonce, because I don't know that much about Beyonce behind the scenes. I'd be like, who are That's you? True. She, <laughs> yeah, she's she's being very secretive. Maybe, but I don't know. I can't keep those queens out of my head now because we've talked about music. Oh, I know. I know. Honestly, I can never get them out of my head. <laughs> um, so mental health wise, you said that you'd like, you know, to have a chat with Lady Gaga. If Lady Gaga, if you're listening to this, we're here. Reach out. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but you want to have a chat with Lady Gaga about mental health. So what is something that Lady Gaga is doing um, in her life and career that you feel like you're applying to your uh, career or job or you want to apply or you want to see frames to apply? Well, the, her whole um, campaign about kindness in school and really making sure that there is, uh, I think, one of her goals was to see psychiatrists that are equipped to deal with all kinds of mental health crisis, big or small, in every school in America and maybe even the world. So 
And it starts with kindness and understanding, just making sure that you never judge people by their, even sometimes, yes, by their actions, but there's always other layers, right? And I think being kind to one another really creates an environment that feels safe. And I think Framestore, like we always talk about the teams here. I think everyone's always been really kind to just take a minute to explain things and really make sure that I understood it as well so I could go about my day and explain it to other people. So yeah, I think kindness is something I do on my day to day. I always come in any place and I ask, how are you to everyone I talk to? Even if it's just for a coffee and I wait and pause so they know that it's not just an automatic question. Like I really want to know how they're doing and I look at them in the eyes and I do that with everyone here, even if they're cleaning up the bathroom or they're the big shot VFX supervisor, I'm going to treat them exactly the same because they have a role and that's just part of what society ought to be is kind people watching out for each other. So yeah, I just, I love the way that she always says hello to the, to the people in the street when she's shooting a movie. I love the way that she's always like asking, how are you? And making sure that if someone falls behind her when she's wearing an incredible Versace dress, she's still going to turn around and see how they're doing. So I think it's part of, part of life just being kind yeah 100% I fully agree I'm I'm in love with Lady Gaga as well and Beyonce so we're on the same page here <laughs> um <laughs> next time I come to London we'll try a vegan burger I won't try the new one though. Just oh 100% <laughs> hopefully hopefully both Beyonce and Lady Gaga are going to release more albums soon and then they can come on tour and we can all go <laughs> that would be great um yeah if Lady Gaga was to work in a production, <laughs> I'm getting on on that Lady Gaga train. If, Lady G- <laughs> if she was to work on um, a production that you're working on as in the production department, what would you like her to do? Like what job? A line producer, Ooh, an executive producer? That's so interesting. I would love to see her as a coordinator. Because I think her going from desk to desk, doing rounds and checking in on the artists, she would be the best. I think everyone would just have a good time and would trust her to let her know, oh, no, I need more time. And I think she would do a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd love a Lady Gaga coordinator. <laughs> right? <laughs> let's, let's do it, frame store. <laughs> so I'm just going to flip the page of this book now and move further along to a more serious question, even though I love you, Lady Gaga and Beyonce <laughs> and Ariana Grande. Let's not yes. forget about that from part one. Um, so there is a lot of conversation about AI these days, and there's a lot of conversation that makes headlines. And, you, you know, you open the BBC News app and you say, oh, my God, AI is going to steal my job. <laughs> so I want to ask you about this from a VFX perspective and, and a producer perspective. Do you think we can be replaced by AI or is this an unreasonable view of the world? And also just a side question, so you can have it in your mind and brew it. Um, if you could test AI on one of your past projects, just to see how it does comparatively to your own work or your <laughs> artist's work, what would that project be if you're allowed to say it? Ooh, okay, um, cool. So first part, AI, my God, am I going to lose my job? So I don't think so. I think we are very safe and secure because there's so much about human interaction and communication skills that I don't know that AI could replace that part. Although I would love personally to see some of the scheduling strategies be done by an AI. Like if I give, because it always has to come, like the answer that AI will give you has to, you have to ask a question, right? So if you tell it, okay, I have this many artists, these are the dates that they're starting and going, this is the amount of work. Can you give me a first pass schedule? If 
four artists start two weeks later at this level. And being able to just shoot data and seeing, you know, maybe I can plan my crew a certain way and not have to do it manually every time because it is a huge, huge part of being a producer is having a, the proper crew sheet to make sure you can do the work at the right time. If scenarios can be done easily by AI, oh my gosh, please, that would make like that would save us so much time because then we can focus on the things that only humans can do, which is communicate that plan, um, have strategies that come that need a bit more creativity than what AI can do at that point. So I think some of the aspect of the job could probably be taken on by AI, but I don't think it would ever be replaced. I think we're still working with humans. And as long as we are working with humans, I don't know why robots would have to jump in necessarily for every single little thing. Yeah, 100%. Well, you, you heard it here first, guys, that <laughs> embrace technology. <laughs> do not be afraid of AI. Embrace it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because if it can do the parts of the job that takes so much brain power, and I can even work on maybe two projects instead of one during a full one year and a half period, because some of my work is delegated to something that doesn't burn out, why not? Yeah. I fully agree. I think technology has just helped humanity for as long as I've been alive, at least. <laughs> I don't think it has done some wrongs, but, you know, we we say it's OK, technology. You've helped us in other ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then what about any past projects that, well, that I mean, comparatively? It, yeah, it would have been, um, I think, Spider-Man No Way Home. We had some crewing adjustments that we needed to, to figure out and I think that's why I'm thinking AI could definitely help in there because having those scenarios and present them to the resourcing team and upper management to be able to say, can we take on more work because they would like to add another sequence? Can we do this with the crew that we have without jeopardizing another project? How how would that look like? What kind of turnover deadlines do we need to offer the client at that point? I think I would it would have been much easier because I remember my producer at the time having to do scenarios over and over again to be able to see what kind of work can we fit because Marvel is a very creative um, business they love to have ideas and see if those ideas can come to fruition which sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it's very challenging so I think coming up with so those scenarios that might have been easier for the company to have that data so I think you've you've touched on this topic a little bit, but I just want to expand on it a little bit more. Um, let's talk a little bit about scheduling. So I know that you're doing a lot of scheduling right now in Mumbai Trains. where you are, and I know that yeah. yes, and then you are. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but are you passionate about this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you think that um, scheduling is so important in production? Why should we nail scheduling oh my gosh. Well, when we're in production? It goes back to, to that drummer, right? Being able to set the pace. Um, but really having a plan means that you you will just know where to go. And if you have enough buffer and you can prepare for the surprises, then you can absolutely take it on and not have to burn anyone out, have to ask parents to do overtime on a Saturday. <laughs> you don't like having a good plan where you can make sure that everything is covered as much as possible. And that also comes with experience and the leads and supervision team that can also help you mitigate those situations and those risks. But having a plan just means that you can have a goal, uh, a roadmap to success 
basically it's it's absolutely absolutely imperative to to be able to have something that's solid and confirm that yes i need that many people during that amount of time and i need them to start this date until this date to make sure that i can hit all of those deadlines as much as sometimes it can come as a surprise when we have a new turnover but even that information is it part of a schedule that the client and the producer probably has at some point so if you keep going into the detail you can really make everyone's life easy and it also helps you know supervisors not have to think about oh my gosh is there a date that i need to to have this by they can just yes of course they should know but they can just focus on the creative while you back them up and make sure that you set the rhythm while they do their crazy guitar solo and they <laughs> so we do agree that this is a make or break aspect oh, in a project absolutely yeah um i have another topic here that's not quite scheduling uh, connected, but I, I would like to know your thoughts and ideas on this. So we are in a film festival season at the moment, or we were because Cannes Film Festival is done now, mm-hmm. but we have more film festivals to look after. Um, and we can see a very common phenomenon happening during screenings of films at specifically the Cannes Film Festival, uh, which is a very elongated standing ovation. Um, I don't know if we love them or hate them, but they happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, you know, now whether we agree or disagree on this phenomenon, it's fair to say that uh, as a can sales agent argues on variety, we used to treat movie stars like gods, but the marketing of streaming uh, films these days is so limited that we don't create stars with a larger than life image anymore. Mm -hmm. So even though this is the opinion of one person, how do you feel about this argument? And how does this lesser image of a star affect the VFX producers in bidding for films and TV shows, if it affects it at all? So basically... Uh, how much do we care about the image of a star in a, in a TV show mm. or in a film so that we can bid on it and then make like sure the that... the reputation, you mean? Of that? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I mean, I think some projects might have a bigger budget because they have that star, but the story might not be all that. I think I've seen a few movies where I was a bit disappointed that the depth of the movie was at par on par with the quality of the visual effects and the quality of that actor or actress or in between itself. So it's, I feel like the, the, like you say marketing is a big part of it, but then the quality, like the, the flavor of the whole film might not be what we expect so I've been disappointed a few times so I would love to see directors maybe more on the front line because they have those great scenarios and stories or visions I think the director of Parasite is a good example of that like he knows exactly where he wants to go and that's the vision and those movies become amazing and really go down in history for having that power you know to to really change someone's perception on something or make them think a bit longer than okay it's a big movie with that big star what else what else do you have to give me um because at the end of the day it feels like okay i've went to the movies and bought a ticket to the theater just to see that person but not necessarily for the movie and then yeah the movie makes like bank in the box office but maybe not for the reasons that we'd like it to so generally, in short, we would say that we care about the story and how good the story is instead of caring about, you know, a lesser image of an actor or... Yeah, I mean, the, if the actor... I would love to see only actors that have done good in the world be in movies, of course. Like, not that I, I'm all pro-cancel culture necessarily because sometimes it's for 
you know, reasons that should be just seen as human and or they're blasted a bit too loudly for, for my taste. But yeah, I think, yeah, having stories that aim to change perspectives or put light on social issues or LGBTQIA plus or two LGBTQIA plus at this point um, stories or Black stories or Indigenous stories just having a bit more depth than yet another movie with Adam Sandler. Yeah. So. <laughs> I agree. We should just yes. all be a little bit more Lady Gaga in our lives. I am excited for Joker too, though. I like yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, am I going to go see only for Lady Gaga? Probably. But I'm hoping that the the flavor is Probably, <laughs> yes. Look, it's going to be worth it. Lady Gaga's in it, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um. So coming towards the end of our part two now, because I'm a little bit aware of time as well. Um, do you think that working for VFX and looking at all the behind the scenes magic that happens um, makes <laughs> watching a film a worse experience for you? Um, uh, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Sometimes, especially <laughs> when I'm watching a movie and I'm like, oh, wow, this shot must have cost a lot. Or, ooh, that key. Did someone really... Uh, prove that tech check really so sometimes i'm going to be taken out of the the experience just because my eye goes to where my mind would go during dailies um when i'm attending so yes uh but not if the story is all that all there like i've been in those moments where i i'm so invested in the story that i will forget but i have to say i documentaries really became a huge part of what I watch because there's less visual effects usually um, than in other movies. So I'm a little bit more bigger, like I will critic things and have comments on a lot of things if it's a heavy visual effects movie, but sometimes it's for the right reasons, right? But yeah, I think it definitely skews your perspective because there might be some trauma and trigger points where I watch a Marvel and I'm like, oh my God, how did they do this? <laughs> how did they actually do this in a year? I can't believe this. <laughs> and you're just, you have to wait until the end of the credits to just be like, wow, you guys, you guys, you did this. You you made those shots happen. But you do think it's worth it working in this industry? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a magic of cinema. It's it it really really is so being in visual effects it really gives you an appreciation of what goes into making a movie so i think i gained that even though during the experience i might be a little bit more critical of what's going on visually speaking perfect love that answer okay lastly there you go drum rolls we're the drummer now <laughs> <laughs> so what is a film or a tv show everyone should be watching at the moment Ooh, um, Suzume. Um, mm. I forgot the name of the director, Japanese director, and it came out not long ago. I will find it for you and you can put that in the notes. But Suzume, just an amazing, amazing uh, feature film. Yes. Where they've blended mocap and CG and just there's the magic and there's that Ghibli feel to it, but it's not a Ghibli or Hayao Miyazaki film, but it still has that vibe. And I was, I wanted to go see it again as soon as I got out of the theater. And I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't I go to IMAX for this? So it was incredible. I really love the story. The soundtrack is also very beautiful. So yeah, Suzume. Yes, I fully agree. Uh, the director's name is Makoto Shinkai, if Thank I'm pronouncing you. that correctly, for anybody that's wondering. Um, 
but yeah, I fully agree, honestly. I think it's an underrated gem. Mm-hmm. And thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Everybody go watch Suzume. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's all I had for you, Raf. Thank you so much for being such a, a great um, sport. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you. Love your questions too. That was a, a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you both. And uh, if artificial intelligence could have put together the perfect podcast pairing, I think this might be it. I think we've, <laughs> I think I agree. I think we're safe. This is. Um, I could have. I could have input this into ChatGPT, and it would have spat out exactly what we've just experienced together. <laughs> Um, Chris, um, let me flip it on you. What, what should we be watching from your perspective? There's some great recommendations there from Rafa, but I'd love to hear. I'm sure it's uh, yeah, something that's close to your heart. Um, oh, my. Um, I watched, I actually watched something recently that was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse um, and also Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. If you want to watch that from 2018, I just believe mm. that the, the technique, the animation, Everything that the artists are doing in that film is just a phenomenal uh, achievement, and I believe that everybody should be watching it in theaters. And it's just, it's just, and the story as well. It's just great from start to finish. The five stars. So I think that the the Spider Verse films. It's a great call. That's a great call. And there is nothing quite like it from an animation point of view. Yeah, is there exactly. There? Which I'm surprised at. I think some people have tried to emulate it a little bit, but it's very, very yeah. unique in its. I think Spider-Man. I think those films have have changed the animation industry for mm-hmm. good, and good for them. <laughs> keep them coming. Yes, great. Well, we keep going on. I'd love to get into a good old record. We should have a separate like um, what do they call the the separate uh, conversation Patreon. We should have a Patreon section where we just geek out <laughs> on yes. recommendations and what we're watching because I could go on forever. And this is great. I love picking up stuff. I'm already buying that book, by the way, Rafa. So already ordered on Amazon. It's coming. Uh, audio book, though. I don't have time to read these things anymore. But thank you both so much, honestly. That was uh, such a rich conversation. I know we overran a bit, so I really appreciate the time you, you've given you've given us. And I say us because you've, you've given it to the, the good listeners of the, the Framestore podcast who will very much benefit from this conversation so rafa and chris an absolute pleasure to spend this time with you thank you thank you thank you thank you Sam. are there any final words shout outs anything we should watch out for that you wanted to share as we wrap up part two i mean big shout out to chris i'm excited to see what you do in visual effects and at frame so i think that that was a great interview um that you gave so I'm really yeah, happy brilliant. and grateful i got to meet you Thanks a lot and big shout out to you, Rafa, for am and all, as I've said in part one as well. <laughs> You're just an amazing person. And I hope we get to share a Lady Gaga or Beyonce concert soon. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm loving the, the, the Gaga Beyonce theme to this, uh, this conversation, yes. let alone the teamwork theme and the AI, the future focus. Uh, from an AI perspective, we should put into mid journey kind of like Lady Gaga working with the FX studio as a coordinator and see what it spits out. Oh, oh I'd love interesting that. Experiment. Anyway, I'll let you both go. Again, thank you so, so much. Uh, see you around. And um, yeah, uh, keep uh, keep doing your thing, both. You're, doing, you're both smashing it. So thank you. Thanks a lot, Simon. Thanks, Rafa. Thank you. No worries. Well, that wraps up this week's episodes. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. It just leaves me to thank Rafa for being a truly awe-inspiring guest. Chris for being this week's excellent guest co-host. And of course, Sam Sosnowski from the global training team on production duties. We'll be back in two weeks time where we will have a special two-parter recognizing Refugee Week. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then.